Hello, everybody. Welcome into oh, the upteenth edition of In Session. I'm here with Danielle E. Gaines. Hello. The extraordinaire, the best Danielle E. Gaines I've ever met. And also Kelsey Luce, live and direct from Annapolis. How are you? Doing okay. Hi. It's good to, to hear from you. Now we only have, what, a week, two weeks left? Is a that, week yeah. and one week and one day. One week and one day, and then we can all. We, are we going to do a final one? We should do a final one again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll sit down and yeah. talk about talk about all the up. things. Yeah, that you ate throughout <laughs> the session. Yes. Uh, so I I don't know if this is big news or not, but I'm going to guess that this had something, some impact this week. Uh, Danielle, we have a budget. Which, yeah. which is a big deal. Yeah, I well, be, so. well before the deadline. So the deadline for the General Assembly to pass a budget is actually April 2nd. So Super um, majority or something. Super, super something. <laughs> super, super, yeah. So we ended up seeing a final um, operating budget earlier this week, so well ahead of schedule. Um, it's a $44.5 billion budget. Billion. Billion. Um, there's not a lot that changed since the last time we talked about it, but, um, you know, it is, it is a good budget in the minds of a lot of lawmakers. Um, going to spend more. We're going to spend a little bit more, 2.2% more. That Ooh. includes, you know, a cap on tuition increases, a 2% increase for state employee salaries. Um, some important projects are funded. There's money for school safety. Um, and what was really interesting is that there was quite a de- there was uh, quite a debate over the budget, um, even though it ended up passing with almost unanimity um, or almost unanimously. Um, but Republicans wanted to see it do more to address uh, federal income tax reform. So when the federal government passed their income tax reform, it did result in cost savings for federal taxes for most Marylanders, but it had the effect of increasing the taxes for most Marylanders, um, their state taxes. We so, don't like that. <laughs> Who wants to pay more taxes? So, um, you know, as a last-ditch effort in the budget, which is where you have, you know, your revenue estimates accounted for, um, Republicans wanted to see some additional changes. So while they voted for the budget bill itself, the Budget Reconciliation and Financing Act received less support. And the, that's the BRFA is what's used to actually balance the budget. The and BRFA? It <laughs> what a great acronym. I'm going to withhold any comment. Go ahead. The BRFA. The BRFA. Um, about three dozen people voted against the BRFA in the House, but uh, it, still, it still passed. It was uh, kind of a symbolic vote. BRFA. Again, I'll, I'll let it go. Uh, Kelsey, uh, the capital budget was passed as well this week, and I know that you have some things uh, that to say about that, and I do believe that includes something regarding the downtown hotel. Yeah, the downtown hotel, it never ends. So this was a pretty big surprise, not surprise, um, that $5 million for the the hotel was put back in the budget sort of at the last minute. Um, so what th- th- there were some surprises in the sense that uh, the future funding that had been allocated in the past, the uh, $7.5 million for 2018 and 2019 was not in there. So that created a little bit of confusion among some of the delegates. I was talking to Delegate Karen Karen Lewis-Young about this, and her understanding was that the full money would be in there, and it wasn't. So she was asking questions, trying to figure that out. 
figure out what happened to that funding. Um, I haven't been able to follow up with her yet, but hopefully that's something we can get an answer on ourselves for the paper. And, uh, you know, it was the same with uh, Delegate Barry Silberti. He does not support state funds going to the project. So he was kind of like also confused about what's happening. So you have people on both sides of the issue there trying to get a little more information. And one thing I neglected to add was there was also a little sweetness in the operating budget for the hotel project, too. So um, one of the things that you can do in the operating budget is withhold money from an agency unless they do something that you want them to do. So um, in the operating budget, the conference committee added an amendment that withholds $1 million of the Department of Housing and Community Development's budget unless they give an $850,000 grant to the city of Frederick for the hotel project. So um, effectively, they're holding $150,000 hostage um, and and requiring that grant to be turned over in the operating budget, too. If somebody said to me, I'll give you a million dollars if I'll do anything. I'll do anything. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. But this sounds like everybody's disappointed with with what happened. Right, Kelsey? Uh, disappointed, I don't think is quite the right words for the, the Democrats that have been supporting it. I think more confused, um, because <laughs> the 5 million is still a lot of money. And if you'll remember my colleague Mallory and my, uh, last story on the hotel, the 5 million is sort of like the minimum for what the city's asking for. And, uh, the future funding was supposed to put in that second part of the garage, the second level to the garage. So um, Mallory helped out again with this story and checked in with Mayor O'Connor, Mayor Michael O'Connor. And um, so he was a little disappointed because the way the funding is structured now, they can't do that extra piece of the garage. Oh, and an important caveat to all of this, which I should throw out there now, is even though this money's in the budget, the Board of Public Works will still have to Put it on its agenda to actually disperse the funds to the city of Frederick. So since Governor Hogan, who's on that board, has not supported this project or has not supported state money going to this project, um, it, you know, we'll we'll just have to see what happens with it actually getting a Board of Public Works hearing. Hmm. That's going to be something. I, I I picture you know at the end of the like you said this came as, as a surprise and at the last minute like somebody mayor o'connor's just like standing in a back alley waiting for five million dollars and they're gonna drop it off it's so shadowy <laughs> not not quite um uh but basically the bill the bill passed both chambers without this money in it and without kind of these caveats in it um and then it goes to a budget conference committee and the budget conference committee they're their responsibility is to reconcile the differences between the House and the Senate versions um, of a bill. And there's conference committees for all sorts of bills um, and anything that's different when it passes the two different chambers. The budget conference committee is, is quite the undertaking because, you know, there's hundreds of amendments in each chamber to the governor's bill and, and they amend things differently. Um one of the big debates a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2016, when hotel money first appeared um, in the conference committee's version of a budget, was whether or not the conference committee could just do something entirely different than what either chamber had originally agreed to. Like, it wasn't really reconciling the differences between the two bills. It was just doing something totally different. Hmm. Um, that's... And that stuck. So now it's a regular <laughs> thing with this project. <laughs> Speaking of bills, though, uh, and no... 
I'm not going to say it, but I, I want to ask you very quickly, Danielle, about vetoing and where where we stand with this. We talked about this actually a little earlier today. Can you give us an update and sort of the interesting aspect of being able to veto stuff this year? Yeah, well, so the, the governor doesn't have the authority to veto the operating budget bill, but he does have um, authority to issue a line item veto for things in the capital budget bill. So um, that's one of the things that we'll be looking out for. Um, there was a special delivery today. I'm just still attempting to confirm all the details of that, um, uh, of bills that were brought up to the governor's office um, early. They're like early past bills. And um, essentially, in, in the state constitution, it spells out how, how the governor's vetoes work. and. If the General Assembly gets him bills early enough in the legislative session, it triggers this like six-day clock, which requires him to take action while the General Assembly is still in session. So we saw a flurry of votes this week on controversial or near-controversial um, bills because they wanted to deliver them by today, which is the last day for them to kind of get them up there to, to trigger this clock and get the bills back down to the General Assembly for a possible veto override before they leave town. Um, the This happened again last year, but it was um, actually more bills last year. But um, right now I'm hearing that it's about 12 bills. One of them we know for sure. It's a school construction bill. Um, that takes steps to remove the Board of Public Works from that process. The Board of Public Works, of course, includes Governor Hogan and Comptroller Peter Francho, who are both frequently at odds with the Democratic leadership in the General Assembly. Um, that bill, it was fantastically interesting watching it travel through the General Assembly. There was a real actual filibuster attempt yesterday. I saw your tweets. Yes, yes. it was great. So this bill was about kind of the role of the Board of Public Works. Um, this dude in the, just started reading stuff, right? He, he started reading a, like a 180-page book about the history of the Board of Public yeah. Works. And um, I mean, I, as a nerd, like I I'm love that it. book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, hearing somebody who freak, who said multiple times that he needed reading glasses but didn't have them that day in order to read it, <laughs> kind of so stumble through uh, this book. I think he only got to page five before the <laughs> Democrats had managed to get enough votes to uh, force to end debate early. So, so that's one of the measures. And Governor Larry Hogan's office confirmed today that they do intend to veto that one. So we'll see that back on the floor at the very end of session. I think we should have an entire episode dedicated to fili filibustering. Uh, we can talk about what's what's good filibuster material. What would yeah. you like somebody to read on the floor? I want to come in and read War and Peace. <laughs> like <that>. But <laughs> it has to be relevant to the bill at hand. Oh, so. I didn't know that. So you can't, like, read Les Mis unless if they're voting about... <laughs> Teaching French in schools yeah, or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> War? <laughs> Jean Famine? Val, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, all very happy things. That's what they're debating. Uh the environment, Kelsey, uh, there was some things that happened this week. There was a bill that went to committee that would do at the state level what Jan Gardner is trying to do on the county level. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what happened this week? Yeah, absolutely. So this is House Bill 1390. It's already made its way through that chamber, and now I'm catching up with it as it's in the Senate Education, Health, and Environmental Affairs Committee. So this one's kind of interesting. Let me start at the beginning with some background, because it all comes from a Frederick County lawsuit. This was uh, the Lake Linganore case where clean water Linganore took 
the Blatlinger developers to court arguing that their um, 675 house development there in Link Linganore, um, the DRRA, the Developers' Rights and Responsibilities Agreement for it, wasn't valid because it didn't include, quote, enhanced public benefits. So the argument over what is and is not an enhanced public benefit, to make a long story short, was the, the gist of the case, although it was a pretty complicated one. But it really came down to what qualifies as an enhanced public benefit and do you need them do you need them to have a valid DRRA so the uh, the court of circuit special excuse me the court of special appeals sided with the developer saying that no there's no nothing legally that requires an enhanced public benefit but just in November the uh, the 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 court of appeals for Maryland overturned that so okay fast forward then Based on all that, County Executive Jan Gardner had proposed legislation stipulating that those enhanced public benefits are necessary, and then her local bill on that expired about a month ago. So now that catches you up with where we are today. This bill, House Bill 1390, essentially says the same thing. Says the same thing. It requires an enhanced public benefit, which could be a park, it could be school facilities, all of that good stuff. So I was catching up on that, and we'll see where that goes. Um, like I said, it already got through the House, so I think uh, it probably, I would guess that it stands a pretty good chance if it uh, gets out of the committee onto the, um, onto the Senate floor, but we'll keep an eye on that one. And, and that's a bill that the county executive, um, there was a YPR show that I, that I was on. Uh, oh, <laughs> humble brag. Yeah. Plug, plug. <laughs> Earlier this week, but if you like Frederick County politics, you might want to go back and listen to it. But it was about all about uh, growth and development in the county. And county executive Jan Gardner was talking about how she supports this state bill because it's almost exactly what she was trying to accomplish at the local level. And um, she's hoping to see it pass. And it has some support among, you know, like... Uh, groups like good like government groups hmm. and okay. smart growth groups and smart growth as opposed to dumb growth like sprawl oh okay as that opposed to sprawl <laughs> fair enough Th this next story though has one of my favorite uh phrases i've seen in a little while uh and it is high quality forests i don't know what high <laughs> yeah, quality yeah. forests <laughs> Me. Don't we all love high quality forests? Yeah, it's like getting the higher quality gas at the, at the pump. I <laughs> yeah. don't quite understand, but a bill was changed and turned into a task force this week, Kelsey. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, this was for me this was interesting in my first session. Uh this was my first bill that I've been paying attention to where amendments just like completely changed it. So it's kind of interesting for me to watch on a personal level as a reporter. So what happened here and um, I'm pretty sure we talked about this one on previous episodes, but uh, Senator Ron Young proposed a bill that would have really gave, given more teeth to the 1991 um, Forest Conservation Act. So instead of um, plant, instead of developers having to plant a quarter acre of forest in high priority areas, they would have had to do a one for one in those areas if they had to clear them for their developments. So that was pretty major, and the development community was very concerned. Um, the development community was saying this could actually encourage sprawl, uh, or dumb growth, if you prefer, um, because, <laughs> uh, because of the, the density of things. And then, of course, environmental groups, just, you know, like uh, uh, Chesapeake Bay Foundation, they really supported that original bill. Um, 
you know, as a way to protect the environment, protect trees, defend against erosion from climate change, all of those important things. But so what happened recently is all of those provisions got stripped away. And what's left is a bill that would create a task force to study that issue. So that's what we're left with now. And that has that made it to the from that made it from the Senate to the House floor this week. So we'll see what they do with it. And um, so I, I did get a chance to speak with a representative from the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and he was a little disappointed that um, that it's basically just a task force now. But he was hoping that that would lead to to future legislation that they would agree with. Um, I also got a chance to catch up with. Um, member uh, representatives from the the developers association and they were a little disappointed too for different reasons um they kind of would they kind of feel like there's not much point to this uh task force he was saying so you know it's one of those compromise things where no one's quite 100 percent happy yeah task force how many task forces do we need what were you going to say daniel oh so many task forces um, but this also dovetails with changes that were attempted to be made at the county. So we saw a forest resource ordinance bill go back and forth and through different versions between County Executive Jan Gardner. Um, her measure was supported by kind of the smart growth environmental groups and um, Councilman Bud Otis. His bill was supported by the Building Association um, and developers. And finally, they came together and also came up with a compromise bill, and which in fact does increase um, the county's requirement for reforestation and afforestation for development projects. Um, and the county's standard has uh, has been higher than the state standard in the past. I spend my time in low-quality forests, not high-quality <laughs> forests. you got to get to those high-quality forests. It'll change your life. I know. I know. And speaking of forests, though, where is a great place to hide an Easter egg? <laughs> I think it'd wow. be in a forest that's called... Our transitions are getting so good. So, so good. I'd be remiss if I didn't lead, or if I didn't read your lead, Danielle, from this story and her fundraising effort to support PBS and NPR, Linganore High School journalism teacher Natalie Robetsky, mm-hmm. I think, is on a roll. An Easter egg roll. <laughs> oh, that's great. Do we have music for that, Graham? No? Okay. So what, what's this about, Danielle? Uh, well, this is something I wrote about uh, last year as well. Um, Natalie Robetsky is a Carroll County resident, but a lot of people in Frederick County know her. She's been here for many, many years. Um, she is a journalism teacher at Linganore High School, and she started um, – she's a huge fan of the White House Easter egg roll. And, uh, and the In Session podcast. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Natalie. <laughs> um, but she's a big, big fan, and she's been, she used to take her children there when they were younger. And then for years and years since, she's bought at least part of the White House's official Easter egg collection every year. There are oh, these wow. wooden eggs that are lacquered, and they have a cute picture on them. Oh. Um, and last year in 2017 during the transition to the white house it was actually unclear whether or not um the trump administration would be continuing the tradition um the, you know the eggs weren't ordered and whatever so she got nervous and so she bought a thousand eggs last year and she sold them as a fundraiser to benefit um last year it was the corporation for public broadcasting and um 
the National Endowment for the Arts. And both of those were programs that were zeroed out in President Trump's proposed budget last year. So it's a little bit of a protest, a little bit of uh, carrying on of a tradition. Um, so she's doing it again this year, and the money is going to support PBS and NPR. I wrote a story about this effort. It's very interesting. And we talked about how she picked the colors for the eggs and how she picked the picture on the eggs and all sorts of things. But um, they're sold out. Well, she received almost... 350 donations so far this year. Yeah. So and this is connecting. Yeah, and they sold out. And I did notice on her GoFundMe page after my story, some members of the General Assembly actually bought egg sets. Really? <laughs> yeah, so I could see um, specific lawmakers buying them. Did but you they... buy an egg set? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm course. a reporter. No, no. Not allowed. Yes. Not allowed. Yes. And she's a journalism teacher too, right? She is a journalism teacher, So she wouldn't teacher, even yeah. let you buy them. <laughs> well, I she would say she'd say that's that's not allowed but um, it is interesting and she had uh she had such a response that she actually opened the gofundme page back up to just accept donations at this point from people oh. who aren't even expecting to get an egg i miss easter egg hunts there should be adult easter egg hunts uh there is there is there's Where? like a beer hunt in downtown frederick this weekend fyi really i don't know, i don't know all the details we'll get together after this okay wow i'm in <laughs> I am, I'm way in. <laughs> now it's time, everybody, for the best part of the, the week, the year, the month, the millennium, the willennium, oh, wow. as Will Smith once called it, the willennium. <laughs> yes. uh, it's time for political notes. I got something to say. And, and basically, all I want to say about political notes is you went to the Supreme Court this week. So I'm just going to shut up and I'm going to let you talk about that. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I went to political. Yeah, I went to uh, the Supreme Court. It was really fun and interesting. Um, and uh, it was my first time. So yes, I know. And it, we're, we're teasing and we're going to do another podcast about the Supreme Court. Your experience here shortly, a companion to this. I under I know that uh, producer. I'm just uh, I know that you wrote about this for political notes. So. Okay. So, well, it was really interesting to me. I, I really took a lot of joy in things that other uh, veteran Supreme Court watchers are probably tired of at this point. So, like, my favorite thing at the Supreme Court, and it happens all the time, is when somebody will be like, now, this is a very important issue, and I have three points I would like to make if I could just get through them. One. And then one of the justices is like, no, 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 let me ask you a question. <laughs> so they never, ever get through like a multi-part point. Um, and I love it. Um, but I, you know, I learned a lot of things. So uh, one of the things that you get is you get an unofficial transcript at the end of the hearing. And Ooh. it includes this quote unquote index, which is actually just like a number count for every word that they said and how many times they said it. Um, so wow. I found this fascinating, of course. Um, it's a way you can figure out how many times there were interruptions for laughter, which Ooh, I loved. Yeah. Um, and there were five. Five? Yes, it was very funny. They need funny. to work on their material. There needs to be more than five. Oh, yeah, I, think, I don't think they were having enough fun. <laughs> I think five might be high for the Supreme Court. <laughs> Did you have any of the um, justices sign your transcript? Oh, no, no, no. I no, I Did you get a selfie? My seat was uh, not the greatest, but I could see part of the court and part of the courtroom. They were going for $45 on StubHub. <laughs> um, so five breaks for laughter. One of them came. There was a joke about 
Yeah, what farms. passes is humor? Well, so one of them was there was a joke about farms uh, and how different parts of the 6th the district are. So um, Chief, Chief Justice Roberts actually was like, well, there's, you know, there's real farms in Western Maryland and there's like hobby farms in Potomac. And it was Ooh. like a very D.C. crowd, right? So that's yeah. really funny. Ginsburn. <laughs> yeah. Um, There was another one, uh, Justice Sotomayor, I believe, asked um, asked, uh, the uh, plaintiff's attorney whether or not one of the things he was arguing was, quote unquote, like the weakest prong of his argument. And then he said, well, we don't think any of them are weak. Yeah. And then respectfully, justice. (laughs) Um, So that was funny. Um, (laughs) You're laughing. That was funny. That that was funny. Like, what if one of them would have said, take my wife, please? (laughs) Oh, golly. Um, (laughs) Got to update your your references. (laughs) If you uh, if you take a look at political notes, um, you know I pu- I pulled out some of the words and how often they were said. The most common word was said 108 times, and it was just various plays on the word district. So district, uh, district wide, districting, districts, um, uh, burden, burden shifting, burden to burdens was 25. Wow. Like um, the word stupid came up once. I like that. I loved that stupid came up once, but. Um, <laughs> That was unconstitutional only twice. I would have had that higher in the yeah, poll. Yeah, unconstitutional was only twice, and dem- democratic democracy was only twice, too. <laughs> so there you go. Gerrymandering, a cool 37. So clearly yeah, yeah. I should be going there <laughs> to hang out. Um, okay, that's that's all we've got. I have to ask you what you guys had to eat this week. Kelsey, we'll start with you. Uh, today I grabbed a banh mi, which was inspired yes. by several weeks I, ago, Danielle talking this about podcast. that on the show. <laughs> was it's it good? delicious? Good. Yes, I still don't know what that is. I, I don't grasp that. I never took Colin out for a banh yeah, mi thank after, you. The, after we talked about yes. doing that. <laughs> Broken promises. Danielle, what did you eat? Uh, I had coffee and raisinets that I snuck out of the Supreme Court cafeteria. It was great. I would never eat. I would keep them forever. <laughs> <laughs> I would like have the coffee and just put it in the closet. That's what I would do. Uh, anything next week? Next week's the last full week, correct? The last full week, yeah. There's a, <laughs> yeah. quite a bit coming up. Um, there'll be some changes to possibly um, medical cannabis licensing in the state. We might start seeing some of these veto override bills. Okay. Kelsey, anything you want to add? Um, the, uh, the Beagle Bill's working through the house. I see that on my calendar. I'm excited to check in on that one more time. Um, the spoofing ban. I'm going to be sure to check out what's going on with Kathy Avzali's phone call spoofing ban next week. So definitely looking in on those. Any, uh, any left lane bill action? (laughs) No. No. Yeah, (laughs) I I think that's dead. I'm sorry. (laughs) We'll wait for 2019, I to be the bearer of bad news. We'll wait for 20, uh, 2019. So I am contractually obligated to say once again, tune into our very special podcast coming up regarding Danielle's time at the Supreme Court. Uh, we filmed a documentary that will be released in three <laughs> three years at Sundance. Is it on uh, Netflix? Isn't yeah, it's, it's going to be. It's a Netflix exclusive. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kelsey, for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you.